we are at the end of this series called Be Real. Um, for the first week, we went through, we went through, I'm a little short actually, we went through only three weeks. This is the third week. Uh, the first two, you have learned that you need to be real with God. You also learn you need to be real with others and have a community with you. You've learned a couple of things, right? You've, you've learned stuff about God. You've learned stuff about others. You've learned how to be real, not in the way that the world teaches to be real, but in the way that you are supposed to be real, in the way that you, the way the Bible says you're supposed to be real. Week one, I talked about how being real with God brings transformation. What that means is that the stuff that you, you're actually needing to pray for rather than what you think you ought to pray for. That was the first week. The second week, I talked about how um, when you're not living in community, as the Bible says, the Bible commands it to be, you can be di- you're living in disobedience. And so you have to learn to live in community with other people. And so for the final week, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. Um, this, one, this one's going to be a lot more. This is going to be a lot of self-digging. This is going to be a lot of a lot of self-evaluation. So if you are too scared to search yourself, then then plug your ears because we're about to go on a little joyride in our own hearts. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 says, I do not understand what I do. I relate to that. I do not know why I do what I do sometimes. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself, uh, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This whole Dr. Seuss rhyme is really getting us down. I find this law at work. Hold on, I think I skipped one. I skipped two. For I do what is good, but I cannot carry out. For what I... Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Paul keeps repeating himself because he is extremely aware and he's telling other people, you are sometimes not to be trusted because you sometimes don't know what you're doing. Sometimes you are your worst enemy. You've heard that phrase before. It's, it's, a, worldly, it's a secular quote where you are your worst enemy. Paul makes that biblic, biblically, biblically correct. He says in verse, in verse 24, I think I skipped another one. I did skip another one. I skipped two again. So I find this law of work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work, a, another law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This is the good news. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to the righteousness, but my flesh, what I really want is a slave to the law of sin. For the third and final week, I want to talk about And I want to alert you, it's time to be real with yourself. It's time to be real with yourself. One of the things is is that that I've learned from a lot of us that do talk about, you know, when we get vulnerable with other people, we're good at getting vulnerable with others. So like if I have a conversation with somebody I really trust, I'm good at having a, a vulnerable conversation. That's fine. I can talk about it. But it's the moment where, have you ever asked somebody, like you told somebody a vulnerable thing and then it kind of, they kind of like gave an answer to that problem and you're like, ah, I wasn't really waiting for that, that answer. There's a lot of times where we want to be vulnerable with other people and that's good. But the problem is, is that we're not vulnerable with ourselves and we're not aware of ourselves. And Paul is making this very clear, very clear statement. He is saying that if I if I am at war with this, if I am not self-aware of what's going on within me, I could be slipping from the hands of my father and I, and I don't even know it. I could be in depths of darkness and not really understand it. We've all heard that phrase of like, uh, like, like in Disney or whatever, the phrase of follow your heart. We've always heard that phrase before. And it's so cute in the moment. It's so cute because I've seen so many Disney movies say that and it's and it's cute at times but 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 have you ever stopped to think that that's actually good advice have you ever thought in that moment is following my heart a really good idea is 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 putting my thing what i think i desire in front is that a good idea for some of us we are so innocent to follow our heart and sometimes it's fine Sometimes following our heart, like, you know, it's sweet. Like, oh, what's my heart? I want, a, I want a house. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to, uh, da, 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 da. That's, that's, not, that's not a bad way of following heart. But there are times where you do have a strong, selfish motive. I'm getting deep here. Selfish motive. And then we claim it to say, I'm following my heart. I will take a motive that I know is not right. I know it's not right. I know it's not good for me. I know that. But I do it anyways because I'm following my heart, right? That's what they say. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to follow your heart. You're supposed to follow your dreams. You're supposed to do that. But, but as a Christian, the, 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 the phrase changes itself of I'm not following my heart anymore. I'm following Christ now. So now I have to change from following my heart to following Jesus because he knows better than my heart does. So now I have to change the verbiage. And that's the question. Here's the, here's the, here's the big question. Have you ever followed your heart into a hard or painful situation? Has your heart ever, this is, this is relatable to anybody who has been through some really tough relationships. You your heart has guided you. I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, I will follow my heart and all the red flags that they show me. 
I will follow my heart and follow all of the negatives because I'm following my heart. I'm following my heart. I'm following my dreams. I'm following this thing. And it led me into darkness. Why is that? Because my heart is not for me sometimes. My heart is not for me. And so I want to talk about that tonight. I want to show you what it means to follow Jesus rather than blindly follow our hearts or emotions. And this is, and the first step in this process is being honest with ourselves. It's time to be real with yourselves. I want to give you my three points right away and then we're going to break them down. Point number one is I sin. Or you can say, if you're that real with yourself, I know I sin. I sin. Point number two, it's not me anymore, it's Christ. It's not me anymore, it's Christ. And point number three, there is a war within me. There is a war within me. I sin, it's not me anymore, it's Christ. And there's a war within me. Let's start with I sin. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For I want to do I want to do what I do not do, Dr. Seuss messing me up, but what I hate, I do. So, so if you can relate to this and, and kind of decipher what I just told you, the stuff that you're not supposed to do, supposed to do you're doing. And the stuff that you know you ought to do that is right, you don't do. That is the ultimate picture of what Paul is describing, I sin. The problem is, is that we're too, we're too into this, like I've talked about two weeks ago, we're into this, into this affirming mindset when we should sometimes evaluate, am I, am I, am I in sin? Am I in this place of, of dread because of what I am doing? Am I in this place because of the stuff that I should not be doing? We see in this passage that the apostle Paul, the hero in the faith, struggled with his sin nature. This is an apostle. This is Paul who is who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, brought a lot of what the Holy Spirit was speaking through Paul, and even him struggled with his, with his sin nature at times. This is one of the reasons why we cannot blindly follow our hearts because we are all born with a sinful nature. So that means you coming out of the, out of the womb, you coming out of your mama with a sinful nature. You come out of birth with a sinful nature. You, you're cute for the moment. It's cute. You're a baby. You're a toddler. But what is the first thing that happens when you get out of the womb? You scream and cry. Right? God bless everybody who has seen. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous one day when I have a kid. I'm going to have to see the pregnancy happen. I'm going to be traumatized. But, but imagine coming out. Imagine that. Imagine coming out your mama, literally with a sinful nature, with, a, with your mindset of, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what pleases me. That is what happens when you come out as, a, as an infant, as a child. You become that. What are the first things you do as a toddler? Everything is yours. 
Mine, 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 mine. I want this and that. It's cute. It's sweet. It's so, it's so precious. But in all honesty, it's the first part of the selfish motive. Mine, 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 mine. Because there is a longing because when Adam and Eve sinned against God, from birth, you are born of Adam, which means that you are born into sin because Adam sinned against God in the book of Genesis, if you have read that before. You sin coming out because your flesh nature is that. While our hearts or sin nature sometimes deceives us, Jesus will never deceive us. Your sin will get you into a sweet, cute state of this will satisfy you. And then at the end of the sinful act, you will feel downer than a dog. Why? Because sin deceives you. Because sin blocks the, the look. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like fishing. You are the fish. That is the bait. It looks amazing. It looks sweet. It looks cool. It looks delicious. <laughs> it looks delicious. But once you bite into that, now you're in pain. Now something's tugging at you. And now you're a, 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 a filet fish from McDonald's. That's what you are. You're a, fi- you're a filet fish. Fish filet, whatever. You are now edible to Satan's tactic because you gave into the bait. Sin is deceptive, but Christ is not. Christ will always tell you the truth. Sin is not who you are. It doesn't have to be. If you're born again and you surrender your life to Jesus, it's time to take control by the spirit and destroy the fleshly desires, sinful desires. What does that mean? That means that when your flesh is telling you, I want this, you got to say, shut your mouth. You got to tell the flesh, shut your pie hole because you're going to get me in trouble. Not better yet, you're going to separate me from my father because when I'm with my father, I have joy. When I'm with my father, I have blessing. When I'm with the Lord, I have all these things. So you're not going to stop me. You got to tell yourself this because you can't just expect this holy matrimony moment with God for it to happen. You're going to have to take action. And the Bible does talk about that no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man and God will always provide a way out. That is spoken. That is true. So anytime you're walking, you're trying to run away from sin, you will have a spot to escape. That is the presence of God. And this is where a lot of us struggle because we, we have become so weak in fighting. Where? That's my question. That's my question to you. Where's the fight? Why are you not fighting? Why are you just easily giving in to gossip? Why are you just easily giving in to peer pressure? Why are you just easily giving into the stuff you're not supposed to be having, but you do it anyways? Where is the fight? Where is the pushback? Where is, oh, not today, Satan, I'm done with that. Because here's what happens. Because we, because it's labeled, oh, I don't want to be too Christian, so I'll give into this just for a little bit. You're leading yourself up for failure when you do not stand in your faith right. When you don't stand in your faith right, you fail in all that you are. And this is where Paul is making himself aware. I know I sin. I know I'm making these mistakes. I know I am separating myself from God. Paul was extremely aware. And it's humbling because, because everybody's always saying that, oh, I want to I do some soul searching. 
And that's great. You can do soul searching, but what you find is not what you're going to like. What you find, you will not enjoy because guess what? There are some things that God is going to say, get that out of your life. God's going to have some things where he's going to say, get that out of your system. And you're going to have to make the decision, am I going to follow Christ or am I going to give in to my desire? I sin. I know I do. And I know there needs to be a change. That's the awareness. Now you have to take the action. Point number two is it's not me anymore. It's Christ. Verse 17 says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. Jump to verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer who I do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Paul is describing that now he is a born-again believer, surrendering his life to Jesus. When he sins or does something he knows he's not supposed to do, but does it anyways, in the moment, this is what he does, y'all watch this, he, di- he dislocates himself from the label of sin and says, that is not me anymore. So when you fall into sin, when you, not just fall into sin, let's stop using that phrase. When you commit the sin, when you subconsciously do the, the, the mistake or do the sin, you're going to have to get to a point because here's two things that will happen. You will either turn it back around and you will have grace and conviction and, and, and push, or you will sit in shame and never get out the pit. You will either stay in a pit or you will learn to get out by the grace of God. Paul didn't label himself when he did it. I have this, I have this sticky note and I've preached it before and it's in my office. It says, I've made a mistake. Doesn't mean I am one. What does that mean? That means, yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have fallen into that mistake and that sin, but that doesn't mean I'm a low life. That doesn't mean that I'm less than. That doesn't mean God doesn't love me any less. This means that I am making mistakes and I have to know for what it is that it is. Because guess what? Even as a Christian, you will still struggle with sin. You're aware that that you have sin. You are also aware that you will struggle and will commit sin off and on again. But it is the awareness. It's time to be real with yourself, y'all. It's time to be real with the you that you see. And stop trying to brush it to the side because you have, you have some work to do. Let me tell y'all something. The human, the human, the human kind, humanness, we have a lot of layers. We have a lot of stuff that we have to unpack. Why not do it now as a teenager? Being able to unpack things, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but there is a fight that needs to happen, just like Paul's talking about. It's not him anymore that wants to do it, but it's the sinful nature within him. So he's not going to follow his heart because that's not his heart anymore. That's not what he wants anymore. Yes, he, his, his desire is, and I, was re, and I was listening to this podcast, and it talks about submitting themselves, submitting your desires to Christ. Listen, y'all, I was so convicted of this, and this is a very... This is a very intense story, so, so I want you to pay attention. There was this story that happened where this girl was struggling and struggles with homosexuality. And she was a Christian. This is what happened. She said that she would cry in her bed every night because she couldn't sleep with the same sex. 
Let that sink in. She would cry at night. Why? Because it's her desire. It's the sinful nature in her that wants what she wants. And she told God, she said, Lord, if I have to cry every night in my pillow to obey your word, I will do it. She said that to God. And some of us slip into into pornographic addictions every day. And I'm seeing somebody who, who is judged for her struggle and she's killing it every day. Y'all, that is wrong on our part, thinking that we can just get away with all of these sins. It's not you anymore. That's why she cries in her bed at night, because it's not her that is, nothing's in her anymore that she wants. It is Christ. It is Christ that controls her motive in life. Here's another reason why you shouldn't follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? This is why we must not blindly follow our hearts because we have the ability to deceive ourselves. What does that mean? The moment, let, let, me, let me give you a, a moment of deception. You made a decision based on your feelings this week and it, and it, and it got you in trouble. You did a decision on an anger, on an angry moment, and it got you in trouble. That is what I call the heart deceiving the person. It is based on all of that. And then we want to say we want to follow our hearts. But that's not what God calls us to do. That's not what God calls us to be. Not to follow what we want, but what glorifies him. Third and final point, there's a war within me. This is where I want to turn the tide for a quick second. There's a war in you or there's a war and you're not doing nothing about it. So if there's a war and you're not doing nothing about it, check your salvation, check your motive. Because if you don't understand that there's a war within you with the spirit and your flesh and you're not fighting that, I think I know where you land. I think I know, I think God knows what you're a slave to. When you just let stuff happen, you let stuff slide on your watch and you're just giving into this stuff over and over and over. This shows me what you're a slave to. Because that's what you have to picture. Are you a slave to righteousness? Are you a slave to your flesh? Those are the two components. And if I don't realize where I'm at, I won't be able to change. Verse 21 in 21 to 23. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So Paul delights in God's law. His, 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 his focus is on what God says is good. His obedience is focused on the Lord. That's where he's at. He said that he delights in God's law in his inner being, but there's another law at work within him within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. And Paul was being super real at this moment, understanding that he is at war with himself and the spirit of God. His sinful desires are now fighting for what it wants versus what the will of God wants for his life. So you have these two places. You have a place of what 
you're wanting to do and you're waging against what, if you are constantly giving to what you want, you are defeated. If you keep giving into what you want and it's causing you to separate yourself from God, you're losing. I'm putting it out there to alert you because to be honest, you don't have time to play around with sin. You don't have time to play around with all of this stuff. Paul is making it very, very clear to make it as a principle to us. And listen, you can't live for Jesus and at the same time live for yourself. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It never correlates with itself. You either live for Christ, live for the obedience, preach the gospel. That's what you're supposed to do. But if you only, if you're, if you're slipping into it every single day, every single week, and all you get for spiritual food is church, my friend, you are losing. My friend, you are on the wrong path. My friend, you are in the road to destruction because you are on the path of loss. But the good news, I say all of that morbid stuff to say, that there is good news to all of that because a lot of you are struggling with it. While following our heart and our emotions can lead you to unhealthy places. Sometimes emotions are indicators. We all know that emotions can be indicators, but if they are the master of my decision, I'm losing. Thank God for the gift of emotions and I can now ask him to reveal it. So if I'm making decisions, like your emotions are good. If it's indicating there's a problem, you need to address it. If you have an emotional upbringing that you don't know what it's about and you need to ask God, that's fine. But if you are making decisions, if you're being petty because you have an emotion of anger, you're losing. If you have, if you have a decision and an emotion of an offense to somebody else, you're losing. That person's not losing. They don't even know what's going on. You're just hurting them while hurting yourself because you're being petty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you're, you're leaning into sin and calling it nice because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel great to ignore that person. I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to be on my phone when they tell me hello. They'll say, God bless me. And I'll say, oh yeah, you too. Right. Right. Yeah, no, not, not, uh, even if you sneeze, I won't tell you, God bless you. Like, like really? That petty? To make it to the point where you're just, it's not just, it's not just you're living in sin anymore. It's just playing out in maturity. And God is calling us to do more, to do greater than that. Making decisions off of emotions is the worst possible decision to make. When you really know what's going on in your heart, God can bring healing. Here's the bottom line. Be real with yourself. Nothing is more easier than that. When you are self-aware of what's going on in you and you know you need to make adjustments and nothing is happening. Listen, I know there's some slow process for, for some of us. Trust me, I have a lot of growing to do in my life. I have a lot, a lot. But for some of us in this room, we need to learn to grow to some capacity. The Bible talks about, Paul says, even in the beginnings of, of, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's either Romans or wherever, 
where he talks about that you shouldn't be drinking milk anymore. You should be eating meat. You should be eating solid food. So that, and, and there was another scripture that talks about you should be teachers by now. What does that mean? That means you should be farther ahead than where you're at. And he was challenging them because, yes, we, we all know the growth thing. We all know all this stuff, but we make excuses to not grow. Well, I'm just, I, the Lord, here's the phrase, the Lord knows my heart. You know how many times I've heard that phrase when I challenge somebody to be better? The Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he does. He does. He knows you keep doing the same thing over and over. And guess what? The next day, he knows you're going to do the same thing over and over and over. So if you want to say that he knows your heart, then good luck. Because for you to know that you're not growing, you need to know that. You need to know that you're not growing sometimes. If you are, praise God. If you are, bless the Lord. But if you're not, what are you doing to make changes? What are you doing to make progress? But how do you apply this? For example, verse 25 Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is what this is telling me, y'all. You need to stop waiting for your emotions and your fleshly desires to align with your focus. Paul said that his mind is for God's law. He says that his mind is for what is good, but his flesh is different. His flesh wants something different. And it's so cool to me to see that because that makes me more comfortable because if I had to wait on my emotions for me to please God, if I had to feel like pleasing God, I would never get there. I would never get there. I would never make it. I don't come to preach to you out of feeling amazing. There have been multiple times where I have preached to where I did not feel like preaching, but I had to get my mind right. See, it's about what you focus on. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you focus on. I didn't come here to feel good to see y'all. I came here to preach a word to somebody who is struggling and who is broken in some place or some capacity. And if you are broken, if you are hurting, God is the solution. God is the, 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 the safe place, the solid foundation. And if you don't see that, you're going to run to other stuff. You're going to run to other things. You're going to treat everything else like it's meeting. There is this book. It is so good. I forgot what it was called. But it literally was talking about how this dude was, was, was let's be honest. He was, he was searching the web looking for a website. Y'all know where I'm leading with this. He was looking for something to watch. And one of the craziest things that the dude correlated with, and he realized, he said, dude, I wasn't searching because I was just searching for stuff to watch and make me, just make me feel good. In all honesty, I was searching for God. You're like, bro, how are you going to find God on a website? How does that work? He's talking about how I was searching for something to fill me. So he went to it to find something to fill him. There is something in you, in your life right now that is filling more than God is filling. This is why you can't worship him the way you want to. 
This is why you feel shame sometimes for being in public places. Because you are finding needs in things that are of sin that separate you from God and others. So now you have to correlate it back to the right. What is that? God. What is that? The presence of the Lord. What is that? The Holy Spirit telling me what I do, I truly need to do. This is not, this is not about feelings anymore. This is not about any of that anymore. Listen, y'all, and, and I wanted to say this in the beginning. I wish I had said it in the beginning because it was really, really good. But like, but like worship. Y'all, I, back when I was a teenager, I used to worship because I liked this chick in the youth group. Yeah. I was worshiping for a woman. I was worshiping for my own desires because I thought she looked great because I thought she looked fantastic. And it wasn't until, so, so watch this. God, I intended something for evil, right? I intended something for my own desires. And now I worship God for who he is, not what he can do for me. Because I used to be like that. I used to be in that state of, I'm going to worship God for what he can do. What he can do for me. I, I only worship because I want to look good. Because I see her in the second row and I'm like, God, dog. And I'm going to worship the Lord because of, a, because of a chick. But now I'm worshiping God out of a pure motive. Not because of what I want. But because of who he is in my life. You got to be real with yourself, y'all. This stuff is legit. If you want to grow, it's time to self-evaluate. If you want to see growth in your life, if you want to see real, if you want to see miracles happen in your life, you want to see blessings flourish in your life, there's some things that need to get out of your door. There's some stuff, you need to clean house. You need to clean that house of yours called your mind, called your heart, called what you see, the eye gate. You have a Eye gate, ear gate, you have a mouth gate. You have three gates that open the door to your heart. And I've preached about that, about, about doors. Go listen to it if you can on Spotify, podcast, linked it. Go listen to that because you have these three gates that are willing to talk out, that are willing to hear things that they shouldn't hear and see things. Oh my gosh and see things that you can't see. So, as I close, you need to know that the stuff that you are consuming, the stuff that you put in your life, if God, listen, you don't understand, because I'll say, oh, God needs to be number one in your life. I can easily just say that. Here's a deeper question. Is God the first thing you think about when you wake up? Oh, well, I, I think of him after, after I eat my Fruit Loops. I think of him after I drink my coffee. Is he the first thing? Listen, y'all, I'm not saying I think about him every morning like that. Sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm going to pay my bills. Yeah, 24-year-old paying bills. Ha <laughs> ha. It's the best. It's the best. But there are a lot of times where I wake up and it's like, Lord, thank you. Because you're, the Holy Spirit is overtaking what the flesh wants sometimes. And that's what you're going to have to get to. 
Listen, y'all, I don't care how good you can quote scripture. If you're not kind to people, I don't think you're a Christian. If you can't love others, not just of what they are, but what God can use them for, what, what, how, how they can get saved and how they can be born again, I don't think you have the love of Jesus in you. Because for you to say that you love God, the Bible says it clearly. To you say that you love God, but you hate a brother or sister, there's no love in you. You do not love God. You do not love him if you can't love others either or treat others right. But I've been treated bad. I know I have been treated badly. And God has reversed that now for me to be treating others right because I know what the effects of not being treated right can bring. So that's why I have to be what I didn't get. And I get it now. I have amazing friendships. I have an amazing, I'm about to marry this girl this weekend. I'm getting married this weekend, by the way. Thank you. Wow, y'all are boring. Y'all are cute, bruh. This is what, just, y'all are just distracted. I could tell y'all getting a hand clap because y'all are so distracted. Um, there is, there is, you need to evaluate yourself. You need to evaluate the stuff that you might be doing that, be, that might be stopping blessings. There are blessings that God really wants to give you. He really wants to give you true riches of heaven, but he can't when you're living in habitual sin. He can't. There's a boundary with God. If you are living in sin and you're not repentant for it, God's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching that. I can heal you when you come to me, but if you're just living in sin and you want nothing to do with me, I'm not gonna come to your doorstep. I'm not gonna crawl on my feet to get you. Sometimes you're going to have to self-evaluate, walk up to the Lord, but the Lord is not prideful when you walk back up to him. The Lord is not like, I told you so. The Lord doesn't treat people that way. I would. If somebody treated me wrong and they walked up like, man, like I'm really, really sorry. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I, I heard it the first time. But God is so different. That's why the prodigal son story is so powerful because it makes that picture of who God is. The son left. He didn't want anything to do with God. Y'all pay attention because y'all are so easily distracted. My God. The Lord, the prodigal son story is that when the son left, did his own thing. He 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 did what he wanted to do. He did what he wanted to do. He even took half of, he took his inheritance and left. That was what happened took his inheritance and left. Wastes all his money, like I do. I waste money. I'm a spender. And now he's having to eat with the pigs. And that's when he, and the Bible says that he came to his senses and he went back to the father. He practiced his speech and everything, trying to get, like, if I can just be a servant. I know I'm not a son anymore, but let me be a servant. We picture how God's going to approach us. And, when, we, and when, when that happens, that creates fear. So that's why we don't talk to God, because we're afraid of what he'll say. So when the son went back, in that culture, and I've said this before, in that culture, the, fa- the, the, the father wasn't supposed to run. 
It was actually considered disrespectful in their culture for him to run while he had his best outfit on. It was probably muddy outside and all the, all the dirt and all that. He was supposed, this is what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to stand, almost tripped. He, you're, he was supposed to stand at his doorstep as his son walked up and look at him and say, what do you want? Because he had every right. Let me tell you something right now. God has every right to be like this. God has every right to be like, now you want to come back to me? But that's not the heart of the God that we serve. That's not, that's not the heart of Jesus. He ran. When he didn't have to, he wasn't even supposed to. And that father ran towards the son. Ran towards him. And he hugged him and he kissed him and he did all that he, that he did. And that's a picture so stop expecting God to discourage you or stop expecting God to hound you or bring you lower than a dog because it's not the God we serve. Better yet, he's waiting for you to go back to him. He has been waiting for a very, very long time. And you have been stalling and stalling and stalling and stalling. You need to be more, we need to be more like Paul, where I know that I have sinned, I know now in my life, living for Christ, it's not me anymore, it's Christ. That means I'm going to stop doing what I think I need to do and start doing what Christ tells me to do. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Let me be honest with you. I am so thankful that the word backs me up. Because if I have to counsel somebody and you feel like you're going to get away with something and you have this perspective of yours, no, no, no. The Bible says this. Even for myself, when it's like, I want to do this because I think of X, Y, Z, and I'm processing it in my head, and the Lord's like, that's not what the Word says. That's not what the Word says. That is so important. It's not you anymore. It's Christ. And that last one, you have to understand that there is a war in you. As you are fighting for righteousness, not just for your own. Trust me, it's hard. But that's the question. What are you a slave to? Are you a slave to what you want or are you a slave to righteousness? And that's what God's calling us to to be and to have. It is time to be real with yourself. Ask what your motives are. Go to the Lord and let him reveal those things to you. The Lord, listen, I was so afraid all the time to go to the Lord about something. And the greatest quote that I ever heard from 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 a mentor, he said that the Lord knows how to handle you. So if the Lord knows how to handle me, that means he's going to tell me what I need to hear at the moment I need to hear it because he knows how, I wi- how I'm wired. He knows how I operate. So if he knows how to handle me, then he'll know what to say. He'll know what to say in the right moment and in the right time. Because there's other people that will just say stuff out of the blue. And I'm like, that, that did not correlate. That's probably a future me that could handle that. But the present me, no. But God knows how to speak. And you got to let him speak to you. You got to let him speak to you. You have to be real with yourself. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have been following your own ways, turn around before it is too late. Be honest with yourself about your need for a savior. Run to God and let him bring healing into your life. A lot of us 
we're saved. We we know where we're going. We're very confident on where we're going and whatever. But there's this back part of your mind where it's like, man, I I haven't been who I was truly supposed to be. I've been showing I've been one thing on this day and one thing on another. And this is your moment to soul search. This is the moment to find out what is really going on. Like, Lord, I, I, I sin. I know I do. I don't talk about it, but I do. It's not me anymore, but it's but it's Christ. I have to learn that I am not I am not labeled by my mistake anymore. For I am what the scripture says that I am. And you also have to understand and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to wage this war because this is tough. Some of us in here are blindly living by the flesh and we don't know it. You're living by what you want. And that's that's not freedom. Doing what you want in sin brings bondage, not freedom. How crazy is that to know that what you want to do doesn't bring freedom? It's so opposite of what culture teaches you. But the freedom comes from when we live righteous to the Lord, living holy lives. Take a moment and ask the Lord, Father, I want to live a holier life. I have been thinking about this. Maybe this is you. I've been th- you've been thinking about it and you just feel like you want to live a holier life, but you don't know where to start. Ask the Lord how to get there, how to do this. Maybe it's just you starting with the three essentials, prayer, worship, and reading the word. Maybe it starts there. And then it goes and then it goes into a direction. Maybe you want to help somebody. Maybe you want to serve somebody. Maybe there's a calling on your life. Maybe that's another purpose for you. Maybe that's another way of living a holy life. It's going to branch out, but you got to start with those three main essentials. Father, we thank you, Lord, that that you are calling us to be real with ourselves that you are showing us that that if we are blinded, if we just go on with everyday life living without being aware of what's going on within us, Lord, we are losing. We are are defeated every single day. Father, I ask, Lord, that whoever this is for, I pray that they they would start today to live a holy life for you as they learn to be real, as they, as they are aware of their sin, as they are aware, Lord, of the war within them, that they are aware, Lord, that that's not what they are anymore, that they don't wanna follow their heart anymore. It's gotten them into places where it's hurt them. They've gotten into places where it's gotten them into trouble. Lord, there is now a place where we need to start and that's following you, getting into your presence and spending time in your word so that we can be refreshed. 
so that we can be restored and we can be put back together. Lord, we thank you for this word. And I pray that it sits within the hearts of all of these in this room and that it does not fall on fertile soil. I pray, Lord, that it would sink deep. Lord, because their soul is on the line. Because some of our souls are destined for destruction, but we can turn around and follow Jesus. Father, I ask that you would give that to them right now. And we praise you for this series. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to really be real with all of these things. Teach us to be real with you. Teach us to be real with others. And teach us to be real with ourselves. We love you and we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.